Thank you for taking the time to listen to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. We hope it encourages you to live and love like Jesus. Hello, my name is Tony and I'll be reading Revelation 21, 1 through 6. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of the heaven from God prepared as a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain. For the old order of things has passed away. He who was seated on the throne said, I am making everything new. Then he said, Write this down, for these words are trustworthy and true. He said to me, It is done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To the thirsty I will give water, without cost from the spring of the water of life. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Great job, Tony. Thanks for reading the scripture for us today. Well, I, you know, I had the realization just a moment ago, I'm no Tony. I mean, I'm no Tony that can read scripture like that. I'm no Tony that can sing like that. So, so uh, sorry, lower your expectations. Just go ahead. So uh, tonight, 5.30, uh, barbecue and worship. Uh, it will be outdoors. We've had not great weather all week, but we're going to have it tonight. I've said all along, right? <laughs> I was a little bit nervous earlier in the week. Uh, But we will be outside. We're going to be set up in the parking lot where we'll have a stage out there for the band. Uh, We'll be set up out there, bring lawn chairs, uh, whatever you need. Now, we'll have food, uh, cookout-type food, hot dogs, hamburgers. Uh, We'll have a food truck. If you want to bring your own, that's fine, too. Uh, But plan to be here uh, for that fun time at 530. Remember, we're collecting twin sheet sets for Bed Start. That's really uh, helpful and important to us. Uh, Collecting healthy snacks. For people who love people, and they, they deal with uh, folks who are in homelessness uh, to help them have healthy snacks during the day. And then empty bowls, what was left over from their event last Thursday night, they will be here, uh, empty bowls, which all, of course, celebrates and, and supports Community Lifeline. So we will see you uh, uh, this evening at 5.30. So have you ever been in uh, one of those conversations? It could have been about anything, really. Um, I mean, it could be about a social issue, it could be about politics, it could be about uh, the latest uh, best hit movie. I mean, it could be almost anything. And you're talking with somebody and they seem to get, you can just tell, they seem to get again a little more ramped up and a little more ramped up. And then, and, and you can tell you're, you're not really agreeing on it exactly. You have different viewpoints. And the other person then quotes a scripture verse. Have you ever had that happen? It's, it's a really, it can be a really awkward feeling, because you know what they're trying to do is say, I'm right, you're wrong. And, and sometimes they, the tone of voice says more than that, but, uh, but it, it feels weird, because now it's like, I'm back, well, now I'm backed into a corner. I mean, I, I almost the feeling of anything I say is going to be wrong. Like when you're playing chess and the, your opponent says, check. Ah, yikes. What do I do now? Because you think if I quote scripture back, they're going to quote another scripture verse. And if I quote another scripture verse, they're going to see And then you're in a duel. Then you're in a scripture duel. And nobody wins that. 
Nobody wins that. I've been in some uh, interesting uh, conversations uh, in, my, in my life uh, about things where somebody says, hey, you know, big smile, they're just happy to see me. I would, somebody wanted to ask you about, okay? You know, it turns into a conversation about a social issue that they feel very strongly about, about a political issue, about something we've done in church or said in church or whatever that they don't really like, and then ultimately they quote a scripture at me. And, and generally, I'll say, well, that yes, that's, that verse uh, seems to speak to this. There are probably a lot of other verses, too, that I'm aware of that we might want to think about. And uh, generally, they get mad at me at that point. Uh, and and, and when, it gets, when they get really heated, I don't get heated, but when they get really heated, uh, I've been told, these are things I've literally been told before. You better be very afraid when Jesus comes back. The one, I, the one that really stands out to me, and I, I still remember the sound of this guy's voice. Brother, you better fear the flames of hell. And, and I've been told God will be your judge, to which I agreed. Well, that's right, as God will judge all of us. Right, that's correct. Yeah. Now, none of these people were preachers, theologians, Bible scholars. They were very sure about eternal destination. In these scenarios, generally, the issue is not so much the issue that they're talking about. It's a need to be right and a need for you to see it their way, right? It's that kind of misuse of Scripture that's called proof texting. In other words, they take a text from the Bible as if that proves their point. What I would hope is that we've learned some things in the story over the last several months about this. Now, I'll confess, I'll confess, I do have some one-liner scripture passages that I sometimes use as well. Uh, And, and you you know, this is just about my snarkiness. Um, uh, One of them is, one of my favorites, and sometimes I'll think this without saying it, but I I remember that passage in in Matthew 10 where Jesus is sending out his disciples on a mission, and he's telling them, this is going to be hard. One phrase he used was, sending you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. And so he says, therefore, be as shrewd as snakes and as innocent as doves. I like that. Be as shrewd as a snake and innocent as a dove at the same time. There's another great one in Nehemiah. This is they're rebuilding the wall. You might remember that from the story. Uh, They're rebuilding the wall in Jerusalem. And there are people that don't want that to happen. And they think Nehemiah is going to come on and declare himself king or something. And so uh, they they start spreading rumors. They start spreading rumors. And the way Nehemiah reacts to that is basically ignore them and just keep working. I mean, just ignore them, ignore them, ignore them. Finally, you know, the heat rose enough and they, they made enough uh, statements, and they wrote him a letter saying, we know you're going to be doing these things, which were all wrong. And he said, nothing like what you were saying is happening. You are just making it up out of your head. Hey, I mean, that's pretty quotable for today, isn't it? Pretty much things you see on social media, and wow, just say nothing like that is happening. You are making it up out of your head. Now, my all-time favorite is Job 39.5. You know, Job had been through some really, really difficult times, and, um, and he, he got to the point where he was really angry with God and shaking his fist at God and blaming God. And so there's this speech where God is, in a sense, 
uh, that, that's written that where God is like rhetorically asking these questions of Job. So Job, where were you when the mountains were formed? So Job, where were you when, and you know, of course, God says, well, I did these things. And then there's a part where, where were you when the birds flew? Where were you? And it talks about animals. And so one of the statements, or one of the questions that God asks Job in that sense is, who let the wild donkey go free? Now, there are other translations of the word donkey. King James Version, New Revised Standard Version, Revised Standard Version, many other ones use a different word for donkey. You know, so it reads, who has let the wild donkey run free? Use that when someone quotes scripture at you. I got one quote right back at you. Who has let the wild donkey run free? Joel 39, 5. Okay, we're in the last chapter of the story. I hope you have a better perspective on the wholeness of the Bible and an understanding of, of um, that we can't just reduce questions and issues to one verse. There are over 31,000 verses in the Bible. There are over 31,000 verses. One verse generally doesn't prove the point. You've got to take the story into account, right? Well, in all of the story, in all of the Bible, one of the most misused, misunderstood books of the Bible is Revelation. Um, that's, where we, that's where we get those images of burning in hell, the lake of fire, uh, the Antichrist, the mark of the beast, right? And those, those things, we, those surface in all kinds of interesting ways uh, in arguments and sometimes even in uh, political conversations. Sometimes these get used, of course, to scare somebody into either changing your opinion or believing in Jesus, or something like that. Well, I've said some of this before, but let's just make sure we're real clear. Revelation is apocalyptic literature. It is apocalyptic literature. It is not prophecy about what's going to happen in the 21st century in America. It's just not. And why would we think it's only about us? How many other nations and continents are there in this, on this planet? And that has to do just with us. No, no, I don't, I don't think so. It's not prophecy. It's not literal. It's like reading Lord of the Rings. Anybody read Lord of the Rings? I, at least seen the movie, right? J.R.R. Tolkien, who wrote that, was a devout Christian. And so, yes, we watch the Lord of the Rings. We read Lord of the Rings. We're like, there are this imagery and such of Christian messages. But we don't take it literally. His good friend, C.S. Lewis, wrote another series called Chronicles of Narnia. Again, we don't take it literally, but it has deep meaning. So Revelation was written during a very, very difficult time in, in the life of God's people during terrible persecution by Roman emperors. So it used fantastic imagery to, to both express the tremendous horror and the angst of what was going on, and to express the, the belief that God ultimately, that as terrible as it was, God was ultimately going to defeat evil. So, when we see things like uh, the number 666, we don't have to be afraid of a number. Um, I do remember one time I bought something in a store, I don't remember what it was, 
And uh, I, I paid cash, and I gave him a 10 or a 20 or something like that. Of course, they hit the cash register, and my change was supposed to be $6.66. I thought that was funny. I said, oh, that's pretty funny. The clerk said, oh, Lord, I can't, I can't do that, and gave me $6.67 change. I told him, just add a zero on it and give me that. He said, no, you don't want to do that. So, in, in ancient languages, it was not unusual to give numeric value to letters in an alphabet. Numeric value to letters in an alphabet. And so, when you take the name Nero Caesar, just like there was Julius Caesar, Augustus Caesar, right? Caesar is a title, emperor. Nero Caesar comes out to the number 666. It was written about Nero and other emperors who were horrible, horrible people to the Christians in that time. So we have to look at Revelation a little differently. I believe the ultimate message of Revelation is what Tony read just a few minutes ago. In chapter 21, I think that's the ultimate message, that's the ultimate goal, that's the ultimate hope in what we have in Revelation. So we're going to look at just a couple of things in that, in that passage. Uh, said, I see a new heaven and a new earth, and the sea was no more. Well, now, well, wait, wait a minute, that doesn't sound good. The sea, there's the sea, there's no more sea? Well, well remember, in the ancient world, they, stu- they saw the sea as chaos. They saw the sea as chaos. You've, you've probably seen old maps drawn, and they have dragons in the ocean, Right? There's things there we don't know what it is. And people who had sailed out there might have seen whales and sharks and things like that, mantas, giant mantas, and gone, oh, this is horrible, terrible, beware the sea. It is chaos. And so it is a way of saying there will be no more chaos. No more chaos. It's not saying there won't be water because then toward the end of that, where, where Tony was reading, it said that God will give water from the spring of life to the thirsty. Water from the spring of life. I mean, does that, which would be living water. Reminds you of a conversation Jesus had in John chapter 4 with the woman at the well. Sure, we can drink this water, we'll be thirsty again. I can give you water of which you will never thirst. It is living water. There's the water of baptism. There's the water where, where the Israelites went through the Red Sea that had been parted to be saved from the Egyptians. God will save through water in many instances. And God will be with the people. Just like, just like God was when they left Egypt. And God said, I'm, I'm no longer just going to be up here somewhere. I'm going to come and I'm going to be with you and travel with you and protect you and guide you. That's what will happen again in the new heaven and the new earth. The new Jerusalem will come down from heaven to here. And God will be with us. And pain, suffering, and death will be gone. And all things will be new. All things will be made new. Well, new is a pretty important word in the Bible. We see it in a lot of places. I mean, one of the most well-known is Isaiah 43. Forget the former things, do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Do you not perceive it? Now it springs up. Or Jeremiah 31, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the people of Israel and with the people of Judah. 
Ephesians 4, you were taught, Paul says, with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in your attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in righteousness and holiness. Those are new things. A new heaven, a new earth, a new Jerusalem, new, new self. This is not human created. We don't decide to do this. We don't decide it's going to happen. We don't stop it from happening. This is, in the words of our study for the last several months, this is the upper story. God's saying, I will do these things. God is at work among us. And so we have this upper story in Revelation where there will be a new creation the completion and the fulfillment of the, of the creation that began back in Genesis. There will be a new covenant. That's something God has been doing every, from Genesis, creating a covenant with people. There will be a new covenant, and there will be a new identity, a new self. Once we were no people, now we are God's people. The covenant will be written in our hearts. We will be, we will be made new so that we can be like God in righteousness and holiness. So, in the lower story is our response. What do we do with that? What do we do with that information? God has said, this is going to happen. What do we do with that? Well, the invitation is to begin living that way now. To think, okay, let's let's just say... God has already come here to be with us on this earth. The new Jerusalem is here. What would, let's live that way now. Not, not wait for someone else to get their acts together. I'm going to choose to live that way now. To live our lives in a new covenant with love and forgiveness of Jesus. To live our lives according to a new pattern. Have a new attitude. One not dominated with self-serving activities but one that is a blessing and a witness. So God does not call us to, an, to a ministry of winning arguments. God doesn't call us to a ministry of proving I'm right and you're wrong, or to shame other people with the Bible, or to condemn other people with the Bible. Our response is to carry on the newness of God's work in our own lives. As it says in 2 Corinthians If anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone, the new is here. All this is from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. The ministry of bringing together, of restoring, not condemning and dividing. The ministry of reconciliation. Bringing together God's creation and God's people in, in, the, in the life of Jesus and in the power of the Holy Spirit so that that new reality may truly happen, God willing. Let's pray. God, we're grateful for your love and grace that we see in Revelation, that we see in Genesis, that we see in Deuteronomy. And in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, all through the story, your grace rings true. 
But even when we, in our world, in our realm, we've been calling the lower story, we make the wrong decision, we go the wrong way. You offer grace and forgiveness and restoration to us so that we may once again be united with you and united with other people. So God, in these moments, give us grace. Give us grace. We'll respond by giving you our life. This we pray in the name of your son, Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Stonebridge United Methodist Church. You are invited to worship with us every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. For more information, visit our website, mysumc.org. Have a blessed day.